Yeah, I don't even know what to say. I want to say good morning, but like I said, it's been established already. But uh, um, I want to welcome those that are listening online. Uh, we, we recently discovered that there are several hundred people on a weekly basis that are checking out our, our service online, um, which was really very exciting for us. Um, so I want to welcome them as well. Makes you makes you feel a little more careful on what you, what words you select, you know, knowing that it's it's going out there and people are listening to what you have to say. So um, this morning is uh, is our first week in our in our Advent our Christmas series called Awkward Family Christmas, and that was the whole idea behind Pastor Rob's request for people to wear an awkward Christmas sweater. I don't own one, darn. I'm sure that someone would have let me borrow one if I had really wanted to. Um, <clears throat> but I'm sure Pastor Rob's more confident than I am when it comes to that kind of a thing. And so I'm sure he'll be wearing something exciting next week. Um, <clears throat> now, I don't know if you, if you were here earlier, you saw Pastor Rob, uh, but he's not here with us right now. Um, we, we've got a wonderful relationship with the churches here in the Hilton area. Um, it, it really is. It's like unlike any community I've ever been uh, connected to before. And I don't know if you remember this summer, but we had Pastor Darlene come and, and share with us. Um, we're returning the favor this morning. Uh, Pastor Rob is over at Pastor Darlene's church, Cross Point Free Methodist Church, and he is, is uh, sharing from the pulpit there because uh, she had a, an emergency and needed to be out of town this week. Um, so it's, I, just, I love that we can share together, that as the body of Christ, we really... Um, work together as a body of Christ. Uh, so that's where Pastor Rob is this morning, and uh, he'll probably be back right after service to help us clean up because it's just the way he is. So um, this morning, I'm gonna. Uh, <clears throat> I think I'm almost gonna be preaching two different messages. Uh, I want to talk about the Christmas story this morning, and I'm gonna read a text uh, from that. Um, but I want to use that as a springboard, off, and I want to dig into the, the narrative a little bit more and break it apart some, and, and it's going to almost feel like a second message altogether, um, but I think it's going to be good. So I'm going to need a little bit of help, like I often will do, which means I'm going to ask for volunteers that would be willing to read a scripture verse for me. I've got about a dozen of, of them, so if I could have several volunteers, you can start looking up verses right now, and then when I call out the verse, you just have to have to read it nice and loud. So who's going to be my first volunteer? All right. Dan, Psalm 103, verse 17. We're going to do Joshua 24, 15. Who's next? You need to do this quick. All right. We're going to do Proverbs 22, 6. All right. Mitch, um, Proverbs 22, 9. Jen, uh, Malachi 3.10, Galatians 6.7, Proverbs 22, verse 1, Proverbs 19.21, Carl, 1 John 1.9, three more to go. I love this. This is awesome. Psalm 27, verse 1. 2 Timothy 1.7, Deuteronomy 31.6. All right. Never going to be able to walk out today saying they didn't share enough scriptures. All right. 
Uh, I'm going to start out this morning with a text from the Gospel Narratives. Um, Starting in verse uh, 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I want you to stop just for a second. I don't know if you've ever come face to face with an angel. I believe that I have, but I don't know that I have. She was pretty. She was confident that she was. Um, the scripture talks about us entertaining angels unaware, and I believe that I've had that experience in my life. I can't prove it. Uh, I just. We can talk about that story another time. But there are other times where people actually have encounters with angels, and it's not unaware. It's very apparent. Um, and it says that Mary was afraid. I think that's probably an understatement. Many times through the scriptures, when you see people having an encounter with angelic host, um, we, we have a term in, in, in Pentecostalism called being slain in the spirit. Uh, it's when you are so, when your body is so incredibly physically overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, that you can no longer physically stand. Um, I think that's probably what was going on in the encounters that we read about in the Scripture. When they had an encounter with, with, with the angelic hosts, they were so overwhelmed, it, 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 they just fall on their faces. And uh, I don't know if that happened with Mary here. It just says that she was afraid. Uh, but the angel says to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, since I've never been with a man? How can I I do this? And I have to imagine, by all accounts, what we can understand is that Mary was uh, in the 13 to 15 year old range, <clears throat> fairly young, um, not not necessarily for their standards, but for ours for sure. And there had to have been some serious confusion here. Uh, is this something that's going to happen right away? Uh, is this something that, that the Lord is speaking to me for the future once I am married? I don't know. But the angel answers that question. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is unable to conceive is in her sixth month now. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So many miracles in this text. It's it's fantastic. Um just really quick, first of all, I don't know, when you have an encounter with an angel, that's miraculous. All right, miracle number one. Um, verse 27 says she's pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. I'm, I'm not going to unpack this completely because I think we're going to get into this in, in weeks coming up. But let me just tell you, in the Jewish culture, not so much in our culture anymore, but in the Jewish culture, when your fiancé turns up pregnant, you usually don't keep going on with that relationship. 
Um, that's a big betrayal. Something's not right here. And he had every right, and most men would have simply said, we're done. Joseph didn't do that. It was miraculous. The big, the big miracle, I think, is the, is the idea that, that God would supernaturally impregnate someone. One and only time in through the history of, of, our, of our world that a virgin was able to conceive. <clears throat> and the fact that this young girl was told by the angel that you have found favor with God. I don't know if you understand that, but it's a miracle. None of us find favor with God. There's, there's not none of us. There's, there's not none of us. That's great pronunciation. Glad my mom, the English teacher, is not here today. Thank you. The scripture says that none of us are righteous, not one of us. It is only through the, the blood of Christ that we're made in fi- to find favor with God. And yet, Mary found favor with God. Elizabeth, your, your relative later on, it says, and I don't know if you realize this, that John the Baptist was a cousin to Jesus, that, or a second cousin. Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, was, was quite advanced in age. She never had any children. It was, a, it was a very difficult point of contention in her life. And God blessed her and gave her a child in her old age, another miracle that takes place in this narrative. So here you have so many dynamics going on. You have a young woman who, who God reveals himself to her and tells her that he's going to work a miracle in her life. I don't know about you. Some, some of, where are all the young people today? They're all helping serve upstairs. Oh, Josh, you're here. Okay, thank you. I was thinking younger than you, but that's all right. But here you have a young woman that, there's going to be times in your life where people are going to look at you and they're going to say, you're not old enough to do anything great for God. That's just not true. I told you at Thanksgiving I am really excited because my kids are, are, are going after the, these Bible clubs in their schools. And uh, Charity has been able to start one up in, in high school, but Grace and Faith... They get together every week and they plan out their Bible study. And what's funny is Charity does hers on Thursday and Grace and Faith do theirs on Friday. Uh, they're in middle school. So Grace eavesdrops on what Charity's planning and then takes it to Faith and pretends it's her idea. <laughs> and, then they, and then they coordinate and they work out what they're going to do. Um, but you know what? It's exciting to me because you're never too young to be used by the Lord. On the flip side of that, here we have Elizabeth past her prime. Um, the scripture isn't clear on how old Elizabeth is, but she says she's advanced in years. I don't know what that means. You know, when you're, when you're in high school and someone's 30, that's old. When you're 30, it's not old anymore. When you're 40, it's really not old anymore. So I don't, I don't know how old Elizabeth was. But the point that I'd like to make right now is you're never too old to be used by Jesus. You're never too old 
to accomplish the plan and purpose that he has for your life. You're never too young. You're never too old. You're never too poor. You're never too wealthy. You're never too sick. You're never too awesome that God can't use you. So I would like to, for the rest of our time together, talk about this little verse at the end. Verse 37. For no word from God will will ever fail. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I want to take some of the ideas in this text today. And I want to talk to you this morning about God's word to you, and may it be fulfilled. Because the scripture is clear that no word from God will ever fail, but I think that we forget that sometimes. In fact, I know that we forget it sometimes. That's why we wrestle with things. That's why we struggle with things, because we forget that God has made a promise to us and that God's promises don't fail. Now, maybe it's just me, but I think it's all of us, that there are times where we struggle with something. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. I don't know what it is you're struggling with this morning, but I want you to know that God has promises for you that he wants you to grab a hold of, and he wants you to know that he doesn't fail. No word from God will ever fail. So the first one I want to take a look at is family. What is God's word to you regarding family? Here was a real challenge. We said it already. Joseph's engaged to this woman. He's just starting off. I don't know how old Joseph was. Let's say he was in his later teens. A young man, an apprentice more than likely, getting ready to become a carpenter one day, his whole life in front of him, and he finds out that his fiancée is pregnant. Rocked his world. Ruined his day. His family dynamic that he thought was just himself and his and his bride, soon to be, is now, there's three of them. And, and what are the ramifications of this? What are people going to say? <clears throat> what is God's word regarding family to you this morning? Let's take a look at Psalm 103.17. His salvation extends to his children's children. I want to just point out this morning that, that our God is a generational God. And while Jesus does not have, while he doesn't have any grandchildren, you know that? God doesn't have grandchildren. Is that weird? But it's true. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't automatically count for your kids. They have to, on their own, have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, we can do a lot of things to help our kids along. And I know many of you pray for your children all the time. And that's a powerful tool. But my salvation, my relationship with Jesus Christ does not get charity into heaven. 
she has to have her own relationship with the Lord. And that can be a little frightening sometimes, can't it? But I love the fact that over and over through the Scriptures, God promises us that the things that, that the, the relationship that he has with you and I, the blessings that he pours out upon us, they're going to spill over onto our kids and many times onto their kids. So don't get discouraged when you look around and you see your kids are not quite there yet. Or when you look around and you're like, my kids aren't even close to there yet. Because God's promise to you is that his blessing will pour out beyond your own life and onto those around you. I love this one, Joshua 24, 15. Now, I know that there's times, parents, when you're, when you're having a disagreement with your kids and, and, and I don't want to go to church and I, that's your thing. And you know what? It's okay. But I love the fact that, that Joshua stands up and he says, you do what you want to do. You, you can go and, and you can live this way, go and live this way. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that might be the stand, mom and dad, that you have to take sometime for your family. I don't care what your friends are doing. Do you get that line? Well, all of my friends do this. Really? All of them? We have this argument about cell phones in our house. All of my friends have them. Well, good. Then if you need me, you can borrow your friend's phone and call me. You don't need one. Because all of them have one. You know what? I don't care what all of your friends are doing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to encourage you, moms and dads, that there's sometimes a stand that needs to be taken when your kids... I've heard people say, no, we're just going to let our kids find their own way. That's a big mistake. They will not find their own way. But by the grace of God, but it's need to take a stand. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Proverbs 22.6. Who's got that one? Nice and loud. All right. That's a really important promise from the Lord and something that many parents need to hold on to. They're gonna, there may be years where it doesn't seem like whatever they were taught when they were little has stuck. That's a promise. You train up your children in the right way. Teach them the things of God. And when they get older, who, who said it this morning? Pastor Paul said this morning, his mom seems to get smarter every, every year. You know what? There's going to come a season where your kids that say they aren't believing in the Lord are going to start going, you know what? What mom and dad had to say made a lot of sense. When they're older, they won't depart from it. The Holy Spirit will continue to have his hand on your children's life. What is God's word for you and your family? I think at Christmas time we start thinking a lot about our families. My kids, I I shared this at Thanksgiving last year. I I am so blessed by the fact that 
every one of my siblings and their spouses and their children are serving the Lord. My kids, all of their cousins, all of their aunts and uncles love Jesus. That's powerful. I, I don't know how many people can say that. And I don't mean to say that as a woohoo bragging thing. It's just something I am so blessed by. What is God's word for you and your family? If, if you this holiday season are really wrestling with some dynamics in your family, I want to encourage you to trust the Lord. He has promises for you and your family. God's word to you will be fulfilled. May it be fulfilled. What is God's word for you regarding your finances? There's another one that, that pops up in this narrative. You've got to think about this. Here's Joseph as an apprentice. He was expecting to be married. He wasn't expecting to have to have a family right away. I mean, I don't know what his expectation was, but that's going to be a very quick financial drain upon Joseph, starting off right away. And then not only that, before the wedding, they're forced into a vacation. It's not a honeymoon. It's not really a vacation. Okay, Caesar Augustus declares that all the world should be taxed and they're forced to take vacation time and gas money, mule money, I don't know what you, I don't know how that works, to travel somewhere that you're not even, you don't even want to do it, but the government was making them do it. I have to imagine that there was some significant financial strain upon this new family. So the question this morning is, what is God's word to you regarding your finances? It can be a tough time of year. We want to go and we want to, we want to do things for our kids. We, there, there are family demands upon us to come and to visit places that maybe we can't afford to travel this year. Maybe work's been, been really tight and, and the gifts that you want to buy the kids, you just can't afford them. Okay, this is a real issue, right? Our finances? What's God's word to you regarding finances? Proverbs 22.9, what does that say? This really is a season where people are more open to give. Um, I really am excited about, we sat as a family yesterday and said, okay, guys, what do you think God would have us to do this season? How can we bless others? Um, and, and I really like the opportunity that Julie shared this morning. There are families right here in Hilton that are having some needs, and these are needs that we can meet. Malachi 3.10. This is one of those verses that is just incredible to me. Very few places in the scripture does God encourage us to test him. This is one of them. Now, I don't look at, at the sheet that says what people give. I don't really care. But God does. And I want to challenge you this Christmas time that if you're fuggling, I can't talk today. If you're struggling financially, 
or if you're fuggling stridentally, um, that perhaps I made up two new words today. If you're struggling with your finances, that maybe, this is crazy, you realize that the things of God don't operate the same way as the things in the world, don't you? Now, if we're talking about just our normal everyday living, this won't make sense. But I do believe that within the kingdom of God and with God's economy, that when we give, when we do things financially and put them into the kingdom of God, that something supernatural takes place. And God says, hey, by the way, try it. Test me. I'd like to prove myself to you. That if you're struggling financially, okay, this doesn't make sense, that you try giving to the Lord and see what he would do. And if you're saying, well, we can't pay our bills on 100%, how are we going to pay our bills on less than 100 Well, that's the nature of something that's supernatural, isn't it? What's the next verse? Proverbs. Nope, nope. Um, Galatians 6, 7. All right. Simple, basic, spiritual principle. Finances and in other areas of our life. Whatever you put into something is what you're going to get out of it. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that says, as soon as God gives me a raise, I'm going to start giving more? Well, that's awesome. But the principle that God gives us is that you sow. What does that mean? It's not a needle-pulling thread. It's planting. It's, a, it's, a, it's an analogy from agriculture that when you put a seed in the ground, if you put a sunflower seed in the ground, if you sow a sunflower seed, you will reap a sunflower. If you sow a kernel of corn, you will not get bananas. If you sow a potato, you reap a potato. All right. So if we sow generosity, then we will reap generosity. If we sow compassion, we'll reap compassion. If we sow finance, now, let me ask you this. If the farmer says, as soon as you give me a harvest of corn, then I will plant corn, how is that ever going to happen? He has to plant the corn to get the corn. So the idea of somebody saying, well, as soon as I have more money, then I'll give money, doesn't work that way. <clears throat> And I know that that might, might sound harsh, and I've had conversations about this with many of you in this room. And all I'm saying this morning is, how's it working so far? If we keep doing the same thing the same way and expecting a change, that's the definition of insanity. If there's some difficulty in your finances, I want to challenge you to try a change. Just saying. What is God's word to you for finances? May it be fulfilled. No promise from God will ever fail. Let's move on. What is God's word to you regarding your fame? 
you mean? I mean reputation. I tried to make all of these start with the letter F. Family, finances, and fame. But I'm talking about your reputation. What does God's word say to you in regards to reputation? Because this is something that was a very real thing that Joseph had to now face, and Mary as well. What do you mean you're gonna, you're, I'm going to have a baby? I've never, I'm a virgin. How can I have a baby? This is really going to mess up my reputation. You know, and, and the angel telling her that it was supernatural and that the Holy Spirit, that might have been great for Mary. I want you to imagine Mary's conversation with her mom. Mom, it's okay, honest. The Holy Spirit. Okay. Woo, okay, Mary, this is not going to go well. So reputation is a very real thought here for Joseph as well. And, it, and, and the scripture is pretty clear that Joseph was a pretty great guy. His intention was to not make a spectacle of Mary. He said that he was going to, to, to just kind of push things aside. He was going to move on. But then, but then the Lord revealed himself to Joseph and said, Hey, no, this is me. This is a big deal. You need to move forward this. Let's take a look at some of these scriptures. Proverbs 22, verse 1. That's a tough one. I don't, I don't think people read that verse anymore today. Our reputation is very important. A good name is more desirable than wealth. I don't see people lining up to buy good name lotto tickets. They're lining up to buy the multi-million dollar jackpot. Um, and yet the scripture says a good name is more valuable than, than riches. See what's the next one? Proverbs nineteen twenty one. I love that. We got lots of ideas. We got lots of plans. But you know what? If and I, I want to kind of move along a, a direction here. I want to talk about our reputations and how important it is to have a good one. But I want you to know that whatever your past has been whatever's gone on in your life before, you can't ruin God's plan. He has a purpose and a plan that he's going to make happen in your life and in other people's lives. If you've ruined your reputation somewhere along the line, don't give up. God's not defeated. And then this last verse is my favorite in this topic. First uh, John 1 John 1.9. Amen. Listen, if you've, if you've destroyed your reputation or someone else has, there's hope for us. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. He, gets, he lets us do a, get a do-over. You ever play peg? I don't mean have you ever crawled around on the floor. I mean the, like, like the basketball game. My, my son loves... To, to play basketball, and, and we play pig because it's easy to spell. <laughs> Horse would be too hard. Yes. <laughs> and 
the way that the game goes is that you, if you make a shot, the other person you're playing with, or multiple people, they have to make the shot. And if they don't make the shot, then they get a letter, P, I, and G. And if you get to peg, you're out. And if, you, if, you play, if you're playing with kids, then you need to give them a second chance. So the, you get an opportunity to have redeemers. And redeemers are, oh, I got peg, I lost the game, but wait, there's a redeemer. There's an option for me to stay in the game. And you shoot foul shots. And there's different varieties of ways to do that. You can do one for each letter or one shot to wipe them all out. And I want you to know that Jesus gives you one shot to wipe it all out. In fact, he doesn't give you one shot. He gives you unlimited redeemers. He gives you unlimited options to stand at that free throw line. And if, and if your shots from the free throw line aren't making it to the hoop, he even lets you stand closer. In fact, he'll bring the hoop right down. It's an adjustable hoop. If you need to stand right there and just drop the ball in, he'll let you do that. He's faithful and just to let us start over. What is God's word to you regarding your fame, your reputation? May it come to pass. May it be fulfilled. And finally this morning, I want to talk about what is God's plan for you as it relates to your fears. Because ultimately, whatever it is that you're dealing with, that you're struggling with, that you're fighting with, it comes down to fear. Struggling with finances, why? Because I'm afraid we're not going to have enough. I'm struggling with this relationship with with so-and-so, why? Because you're afraid of what they think or what they'll do. I'm, I'm having a hard time at my job, why? Because you're fearful that you might lose it or something's going to go wrong. Almost everything we can struggle with is rooted in fear. I have to imagine that this was a real struggle for Joseph and Mary. In fact, the angel has to specifically say to Mary, don't be afraid. It's very real part of our lives to to deal with fear at one level or another. Psalm 27, verse 1, what does it say? Second Timothy one seven. Do you know that one? I love that one. We use that one a lot at our house. Mostly because my mom used to sing it to us when we were kids. But God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. When we're wrestling with things, when when fear is coming in and, and strangle holding you and, 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 and causing you to doubt and have difficulty, you need to remember that fear is not from God. He doesn't give you fear. He gives you power. He gives you love. He gives you a sound mind. What does that term mean, a sound mind? Not crazy. Yeah. Have you ever been there? Have you ever ever been wrestling with thoughts and wondering, this is just crazy. These thoughts are nuts. Those aren't from God. He wants to give you a sound, confident mind. Deuteronomy 31.6. I don't know who I gave that one to. Okay.
Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Amen. What a great promise. Listen, it doesn't matter what you're going through this, this Christmas season, whatever fear might be coming after you, I want you to be reminded that God's going to be with you. He's going to walk with you no matter what you're going through. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, He's going to walk with you. You can have confidence. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And sometimes it's hard to believe. Sometimes we wrestle with that because it feels like we're alone at times. Have confidence that what Mary said is that no word from God will ever fail. May your words to me be fulfilled and may God's word to us this Christmas season be fulfilled as it relates to our family, as it relates to our finances, as it relates to our reputation, our fame, and as it relates to the fears that the enemy would try to bring upon us. Remember that God's word is faithful and it's true. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray together. And I I believe that God gave us this message because many of us are struggling with one of those four areas. And And if that's you this morning... Cassie, could I get you to play just a little something while, I, while we're wrapping up? Um, if that's you this morning, I'm not, I'm not going to do an altar call because we don't usually do that, but I do want to do, I want to have a response time this morning. And if that's you, and, and one of these areas you know that the Holy Spirit was really ministering to you, was really speaking to you. Listen, I didn't, I didn't sit at home this week and say, Let me think of the four best areas I could nail people to the wall with. I just allowed God to speak to me as I was reading the text. And if God was speaking to you in one of these areas, you've got to believe that it's the Holy Spirit trying to share something with you this morning. And so I want to pray for you. If, If you know that God was speaking directly to you about something this morning, I don't, I don't need to know what it is. But if you could just give me an indicator, just show me your hand and say, yeah, God's speaking to me about something. I want to pray for you. Just two of you? Okay. Oh, I didn't look at the side of the room. Okay. A few more than two. All right. So just about all of us is really what it is. Jesus, thank you. Lord, we're so grateful that you make so many promises to us. Lord, I don't even know how many promises are in your word, but I do know that they're true and that they're good and that they're right. That, Lord, you don't want us to have to wrestle with family dynamics, that that, that you don't want us to have to struggle with our finances or, or our reputation or fears in our lives. And, Lord, that you make a way for us to to get out of these things. Lord, your word says that you desire for us to be more than conquerors in Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning I ask for those that have raised their hands that that you would help them to conquer the area that you've spoken to them this morning. That you bring victory to them in their life. Lord, whether they're afraid or or whether they're struggling with their finances, Lord, or there's a family dynamic that just isn't right, I ask that you bring healing, that you would bring hope, that you would bring freedom. Lord, I ask that 
that you would honor the faith that they have taken to raise their hand. Lord, your word is clear that that you honor steps of faith. So, Lord, I believe that raising a hand is at least as much as a mustard seed. And, Lord, you said that that's all it takes. So, Lord, I ask that even this morning something would begin to change. And, God, that we would receive testimonies of your great goodness to us as a church and as a people. Thank you for coming. Thank you for making a way for us so that we could know you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. I told you Pastor Rob would be back. He's back already. And uh, just want to thank you for being with us. If you can stay and help us clean up, that would be awesome. We got eggs today. It's an egg Sunday. All right. And uh, for those of you that are new with us, we have a, a, a ministry that provides uh, eggs for us. And if you could use some, some food or you have um, a neighbor that you know needs something, please take some and pass them along. Lord bless you. Have a, have a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful Advent season. And we hope to see you again next week. You are dismissed.